0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, you have seriously never saw the lives of others, or...
1: You never watched The Shop Around the Corner, or... How Have You
0: Not Seen Carol? again and thank you for joining us for a very special gay christmas episode of how have you not seen i am your co-host caroline thompson
1: ho 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 i'm santa claus carson betts
0: and this is a movie podcast Where each week we pick one of our favorite movies that the other hasn't seen
1: we talk about it
0: then we go and watch the film
1: and, uh, and then it's a very silent night, but we break that silence by talking about it some more.
0: Hello. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us and Merry Almost Christmas to all of those of you who celebrate Happy Holidays. Carson, how have you not seen Carol?
1: That is a good question. I've had multiple people in my life like yelling at me to watch this movie since it came out in 2015 Fifteen. That is correct, 2015. 2015, yes, I believe. Um, hell yeah. Um, so I don't know. I didn't see it at the time. I missed it. Um, it was one of those movies that a lot of people kind of immediately put it at on my radar that year. Uh, I know you love this movie. I know another one of our mutual friends from college loves this movie and she watches it all the time and is constantly telling me to watch Carol. And I just never got around to it. And in the time since that movie come... Came out, it has been, I think, really kind of reified. It's been put in into that like higher echelon status. Um, Obviously, a couple of years ago, we got a lot of movie critics, a lot of organizations releasing their like top 10 of the 2010s. Carol made a lot of people's lists. It is uh, one of those, one of those like perfect, um, one of those perfect little masterpieces, uh, a real highlight of queer cinema in the 21st century. And I have not seen it, but I'm very, very excited to.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. Wow. That having been said, I mean, that was a lot of good information right there. Yeah. Um, what do you know about Carol?
1: What uh, you know? I feel like I know a lot about this um, movie, probably. Uh, so it's directed by Todd Haynes. Correct. Just, just released uh, May, December, which people are loving. Yes, Um,
0: yes, I'm planning on going to see it at the time of recording this weekend.
1: we It's the unfortunate thing where right now it's like, I went from two months where there was like never a movie in theaters I wanted to see, and now there are like seven. uh, Correct. And I only have maybe one night a week to go see a movie, maybe. So like, I have to make my choices. And I think that one's going to streaming pretty soon. So it it has, for that reason, kind of fallen down the list, which is uh, an unfortunate result of the hell dimension that we live in. Um but very excited to see that movie. Um it is Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara and, correct and correct. um oh fuck who are, i know there i know two other people in this movie. Uh uh oh um Sarah Paulson, right? Sarah Paulson and Jake Lacey.
0: Yes and yes.
1: Okay. Jake Lacey is an actor who i always remember. He's got a specific face. Um that this he movie, does. That yeah. he very, very, yeah. very much does. Yeah. Uh, this movie takes place in what, like in nineteen sixties? Very close. Take, in the fifties. T- correct. Yes. Okay. This movie takes place in the nineteen fifties. It is a story of Rudy Mar is like a shop girl, right? Mm-hmm. Rudy Mar is a shop girl. Um, Kate Blanchett is an older, uh, an older woman who comes into the shop. They engage in a Torrid lesbian love affair and it's Christmas time.
0: Yes. Yes. I don't, I don't think
1: I know much other than that.
0: Okay. Yes. Uh, Torrid lesbian love affair is, we'll discuss that when we get back. Uh, but yes, it is. It is very much a story about the relationship between these two women, um, among other things. Um, so great! Do you know anything else at all about this movie?
1: A lot of big coats.
0: A lot of big coats. Yes, a lot of big yes. yes. Coats.
1: Well, um, well. Wait, is there like a coat scene? That's exciting.
0: I don't know. I love coats. I
1: love, I coats. I love some coat of good coat jacket works. Okay, cool. Uh, now, other than that, I don't. I don't think I know anything.
0: Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Well, in that case, we are going to move into our little game. This week, we are going to play a game of recast it
1: mm, okay
0: and um as you uh, as you mentioned like a lot a lot of a lot of good people in this cast um there are several other notable folks who are missing but I, I am gonna skip over Jake Lacy, even though he's fifth build for a special a special uh, a special person in the cast to mm-hmm. recast but let's go ahead and start off with Kate Blanchett. As the titular. Hell. Blanchett's such a powerhouse.
1: An older, hmm. So an older, an older actress. I don't know if she's playing British in this movie, but possibly British. A lot of power. A lot of Galadriel-like energy. Hmm. I mean, it feels kind of obvious, but like, Nicole Kidman's right there. Mm. In terms of powerful older blonde women in Hollywood, Nicole Kidman's a lot weirder than Kate Blanchett, though. Correct. Yeah. But
0: I don't, I don't hate it. I think, yeah, in the slightly more neurotic version of Carol, I think, mm. um, I think Nicole Kidman is not a terrible choice. We'll
1: say Nicole Kidman. We'll put her in.
0: Yeah. Great. Okay. Nicole Kidman is Carol. I love it. Um. Uh, Next up, Rooney Mara as
1: Therese. Rooney Mara is the most specific actress in the world. Uh Uh-huh. I just rewatched Social Network. Oh, my God. Hmm. Uh, is she too old? Well, in 2015. No, she's not innocent enough. Um. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I'm blanking on her name. What is her name? I'm Googling it right now. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, I got one. I got one. I did did a real A to C because we were talking about, before we started recording, we were talking about community. Um, uh, Alison Brie. That is a
0: good call. That is a good call. Alison Brie.
1: In terms of like young, like young doe-eyed women who you believe could be seduced by a powerful older lesbian. I think Alison Bree is like right there.
0: Yes. No, yeah. 110%. Um, I think that's actually a very good call. I think that's a very good call. Even just on the, even just on the look alone. Yeah. Um, she the look. Yeah. Great. Uh, good call. Um, next we have uh, Sarah Paulson as Abby. That one's also so hard.
1: God, I maybe should have saved Kidman for Sarah Paulson.
0: Yes, I think that. Yeah.
1: Um. uh Tony Collette. Tony Collette. I th- I I find her and Sarah Paulson to at times have kind of similar manic energy.
0: I like that a lot. I really like yeah. that, actually. Good for you.
1: All right. Good, good for, for me. Um, I almost said Pedro Pascal because they're friends, but you know. Wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. <laughs> It'd be kind of odd. Um,
0: next we have Kyle Chandler okay. as you know what? I won't even I won't even uh give my opinion on this character's name. Kyle Chandler as Harge. Harge? Harge. Spelled like large but with an H. Kyle or Barge Chandler. with an H.
1: Kyle Chandler kind of looks like a Arch. <laughs> he
0: kind of does. He's
1: Kyle Chandler, well he Kyle and I like Kyle Chandler. He has like resting cop face, you know? <laughs> exactly.
0: He is Kyle Chandler is one of those actors that I think he is good at his job. I think he's yeah. a very serviceable actor. I think uh I think when utilized well as a kind of uh straight laced stick up his ass guy from a bygone era. I mm-hmm. think, uh, I think Kyle Chandler is, is, is great. Um, I don't know that he has ever been more fit for a role than is hard. And he does a great job. He does a great job.
1: I'm sure he does. I do like Kyle Chandler. Um, Hmm. I'm looking at Oh. Oh, do I like do I wanna do that or do I wanna do I'm looking at faces right now. I'm comparing faces. Yeah, no, I got another guy with a with just a big dumb block flat block face. I gotta go Jason Clark. Okay. Jason okay. Clark can be a harge.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll give you Jason Clark. I'll give you Jason Clark. Um, and then lastly, Cookie himself, John McGarrow. John McGarrow's in this.
1: He sure is, buddy. I I love John
0: McGarrow as
1: Danny. I didn't know that. I love John McGarrow. Um, man, beard or no beard? No beard. Ooh, okay.
0: A very good question. A very important mm, question. Yeah.
1: Because honestly, the difference between... he's in two movies this year, and I love him in both of them, and the difference between his roles in the two movies is how much beer he has. I... Okay, you know who's got kind of a similar squirrely thing as nope. as John Magaro? Damon Malkin. Okay. um,
0: I'm... I'm visualizing. And, and I
1: don't know if that works, but I also know that like Das Malkian is one of those actors who every time he shows up in a movie, I go, Oh, Hey, cool. Him. He's going to do something interesting.
0: Yes. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, cool. David Das Malkian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude's I got think... range. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. This is good. This is one of your better recasteds.
1: All right, I'll take it. I was surprisingly, uh, surprisingly buttoned up on this one.
0: Yes, and then very quickly between, um, between Carol and Therese, between yeah. Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, who's who's Bugs Bunny. And it, who it's Michael Jordan. so,
1: is so, so obvious. Is that um, Jordan's got to be Mara.
0: Yes, of course. Okay, it's good. so <laughs> obvious. Yes.
1: So bugs can come in and seduce him. It's so obvious. Correct. Yeah,
0: no, that is indeed the right answer. All right. Yeah. Well, that is our little game. So, Kirsten, are you ready to go and uh, watch Carol for the first time? I'm
1: so so ready. This is such a major, such a major uh, hole in my Excellent. history. I gotta fill.
0: Awesome. Wow. Well, I'm so excited to rewatch this one. I mean, yeah. I probably I would have rewatched it regardless of if we did it for the podcast this year because it's because it's Christmas, but I'm really excited to rewatch this one. So we will talk to you all in just a moment after we've watched Carol.
1: Hey everyone, taking a break in the middle of the episode while well, Caroline and I watched the movie to uh, talk to you about our sponsor this week, and that sponsor is Liquid IV. It's a category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and now it comes in sugar-free flavors. Liquid IV can aid in more effective hydration than water alone using a scientifically and clinically studied zero sugar hydration solution. Now I know that there's like an incorrect assumption out there that liquid IV is some kind of sports or energy drink kind of like and Corey you're gonna have to bleep this out or whatever swill the rocks peddling nowadays but it's not. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier, the result of extensive R&D to create a product that hydrates you more efficiently than water alone and tastes great while doing it. And this is how it works. You get your little pouch of liquid IV powder, you tear open the top and you drop it in 16 ounces of water and you shake it up. And then That water is now much more flavorful and will hydrate you two times as fast as plain water would have. I've used liquid IV after long walks in the sun, or long work days when I forgot to drink water for 10 hours straight, and it works amazingly to get me feeling hydrated. And I'll tell you a secret hack, one rapidly aging millennial to another. It's a great preventative measure against hangovers, too. Uh, Have you ever listened to an episode of this podcast where it kind of sounds like I've had one too many beers? Yeah? I'm looking at you, Ice Storm episode? I probably drank a liquid IV immediately after we recorded. Nine out of ten times. Uh, So you can get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free or any other variant at liquidiv.com using my coupon code. H H Y N S pod that's H H Y N S P O D at checkout that's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code H H Y N S pod at liquidiv.com all right back to the episode
0: and we are back Carol
1: I I yes. probably peaked right there I'm so sorry
0: Carol you did is that is that what is that that you're doing right there that's, that's my that
1: I mean, it, it can be. Harge is, I, I was just yelling the name of this movie.
0: Okay, okay,
1: cool. I, I was doing a thing I did multiple times watching this movie, which is just say, Carol, Carol. Carol? Yes. Carol. This is our episode
0: on Carol, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, the 2015 Todd Haynes film. It sounds like you had a very strong reaction to it. Um,
1: it kicked my ass. <laughs>
0: In what way? In what way? It was. I feel like I know what you mean, but elaborate, expel. It was
1: very emotionally involving and it was very good and very beautiful to look at and left me with a lot of lingering emotions that I am still working out. Because I think that this movie is, in a lot of ways, plays with ambiguity very well. I think its ending is very ambiguous and I really want to talk to you about it. I have a lot of feelings about it. Um... Yeah, it's really good. I think I made reference to the fact in the beginning, like, oh, a lot of people now, this is on there. You know, when people release their, like, a lot of film critics, when they release their best of the tens list, this was on a lot of film critics' list. And I yes, absolutely. get it. Carol, this movie is a masterpiece. It's so good.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a phenomenal film. Yeah. Uh, from top to bottom, really uh, pretty unimpeachable, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, but before we get into any of that, we do have a little game to return to. Yes, we do. I'm so excited
1: for this. I'm so excited. So
0: we are going to discuss Carson's uh, alternate uh, alternate cast mm-hmm. because we played recast it. So let's just dive on in. Um, for Carol, as played by Kate Blanchett, you said Nicole Kidman.
1: I remember that, and that is wrong.
0: Correct. Yeah,
1: that is not uh,
0: correct. It's just not the vibe of this film. However, I'm trying to think, I mean, Blanchett's performance in this is pretty unimpeachable. It's pretty pitch perfect. It's pretty singular. And I'm honestly, like, I was thinking, like, in the lead up to today's recording, like, who would work in this role? And don't get me wrong, Todd Haynes is, like, a good director. I'm sure he could get a usable performance out of you know anyone or maybe not anybody but like he could like if if the contract with Blanchett fell through if they you know he would recast and he would make the movie and I'm sure he could have gotten a good usable performance out of another actor Mm -hmm. however having said that this is so perfectly tailored to Blanchett and her talent it is
1: a movie in which the fact that she is like a beautiful and terrible elf queen like really really hits
0: yeah exactly
1: she she kind of comes on to this rooney mara sees her and she kind of says like you will love and fear me like i will
0: yeah you like you shall love me and despair i mean that's like what happens (laughs) like honest to god um yeah because i was thinking about it and i was just like You know, I mean, you know, uh, May-December just came out, um, great film, uh, and Haynes has worked with Julianne more multiple times, and so I was like, you know, like, you know, if Blanchett drops out, does he tap Julianne? And I'm just like, totally different movie. Totally different movie. Totally different movie. Yeah. And then I was trying to think of other things, because then I think, you know, I'm like, okay, well, like, what about Blanchett works so well? And she is just... So Kate Blanchett feels like Kate Blanchett, like truly in just about everything, feels like she knows more than anyone who's ever been born. Yes, yes, yes.
1: yes. And
0: I was kind of like trying to think of like what, like who else kind of has that vibe? And a similar a similar but very different thing, I'm just like, well, does Tilda Swinton work? And I don't think it does because in my approximation, okay, like, hear me out. Yeah. In my approximation, I think Kate Blanchett always carries this vibe of, like, she is a force of nature. Yeah. She is, like, one with, like, the fabric of reality and just, like, understands everything and just, like, is kind of a perfect human specimen, like, just, like, peak, right? Yes. I feel like Tilda Swinton has a similar, like insane, unnatural vibe, but her still's very eldritch. her heal's like she fell from another plane and just like we are we are nothing mm. compared to the, the horrors she has seen.
1: Yeah. You know? Yep, 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 yep. Which I, I don't think works for one of the brilliant things about this movie is that there comes a point in it in which you read... Well, because the whole thing is that Carol walks on And it's this very it it's this this trope you see a lot of like an older person who is very um, sexually attractive who part of the reason for that attraction to a younger, uh, a younger less experienced character is that they just seem to be so fucking confident and so assured of who they are as a person. Um, yes. And that is both something that is like an attractive quality in a partner and also something that the character who is attracted to them wants in themselves and does not have. Um, yes. and there comes a point in this movie in which, you know, Blanchett's bringing all of that, like, Galadriel, like, perfect elf queen, Magnificent, she's bringing, she's like a fucking Benny Jesserit. She seems like a kind of person who has, like, complete control over her body. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, 110%. And, and, and then there's 110%. a point in the movie where you realize, like, oh, no, she is so hopeless. Like, she is so, like, she is in no control of any of this. Like, all of this is kind of a, all of this is kind of cope, you know? And, yeah. and like, she's she's really not meaning to do anything that she does. It's all just kind of a storm. It, it is a storm. You look at the storm, you go, ah, the storm is beautiful. And then it hits you, and you're like, that was awful. And you're like, well, I can't blame the storm for being a storm. Which, um, <laughs> yeah. And I don't think yeah. that Swinton could play that. She, I don't think that she could necessarily play the, uh, the backside of that as well. The kind of, the deep sadness that's on the other side of it. Yeah. yeah. No, totally.
0: Um, I love everything you just said. I think a lot of that is going to get into, I mean, I think that that's going to be a lot of the conversation we have when we just like talk about the movie proper. So yeah. let's move on to the younger person you were just discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, Rooney Mara as Therese mm-hmm. in this film, uh, you recast, as Allison Bree. And I don't think that's terrible, but I don't think it works.
1: Allison Bree has had sex before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I... Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I feel like Allison Bree does not. I feel like if Allison Bree were to play this role, I don't feel like she can do mousy. No. Right? No. Like, I don't feel like no. Allison Bree has the capability of playing a character who has kind of never taken up space.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: In her life. Yeah.
1: Someone who, if they could like disintegrate into a, a, a dot, the size of a pin, they would do so in an instant.
0: Right. Yeah. Like I feel like, I feel like, uh, were Alison Brie to play this character. It would be a lot more naive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, as opposed to just, small and mousy right which is the thing that I think that Rooney Mara really taps into very well um is just this like it feels like it feels like Rooney Mara knows almost everything that Carol knows in her own way and instead of but hasn't taken that step to defy it all yet you know what I mean yeah yeah um Rudy's and I just feel so like
1: moored in this movie. Yeah. She's she's yeah. Uh
0: yeah, like Alison Bree just always plays so confident. Mm-hmm. And I feel like were you to were you to ask her to not play confident, I feel like she then would play pathetic. As opposed to small I think you would think that makes sense in the way
1: in this movie in which I like see the sort of um, the kind of pitiful qualities of Therese and I only support her more I, I kind of want to defend her like I know like I'm just like, oh come on she's not there yet she's figuring it out right now. I think Alice plays yeah. it and I'm just like ah come on like I I would pity her more in this role. Correct. I, I um, agree. Yeah. I agree. It's also the thing of like, whatever, get the get the bonk ready. This is a very, very sexually passionate movie. Um, but yeah, it's it's also the like, the thing on Alice and Bree and Community in which the first season of that show, they try and cast her as like a, a mousy virgin and then they immediately realize like, no, Alice and Brie is actually very hot and very wise beyond her years and so they need to adjust the way that they treat her in the show is like that's the reason she doesn't want right. this role like it's that right. exactly yeah.
0: no a hundred percent it's like it's not that she it's that she's in so insanely sexual but just yes. has to repress yes. everything yes. Yes. as opposed to like has never really had the opportunity or the confidence to go there so hasn't explored it as much as she should it's like she feels it all day every day and instead must must just keep the lid on that box so locked down. Alison Brie
1: in 20 years would be, I would make Darren, she probably be better as Carol than she would as Therese. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Alright, who's next?
0: Moving on. Yeah. Sarah Poulsen. You said as Tony Collette. Which I don't hate.
1: I don't hate that I don't at hate. all. I don't hate that. I think Sarah Paulson's really good. She does a lot with not a lot of screen time in this movie, but I, I don't hate that at all. Yeah, no, I yeah. don't either. Yeah. Um,
0: I think they're, yeah, they are, they have very different energies as performers, but I think that they can, I think I think Tony Collette could do this role pretty well, actually. I think
1: that's a pretty good call on your part. It would be different,
0: certainly. It
1: would, but I think it would just add, a, it would, again, it would be different, but it would add a different bit of ambiguity to that character. That character to me is such a, an interesting, like, center point in this movie's ambiguity, and it would just make that a little different. It would change that ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Next, uh, as Harge instead of Kyle Chandler, you put Jason Clark. And I don't know. Let's discuss this. (sighs) Because I feel like, I see why you do that. Yeah. I, however, feel like Jason Clark has this, like, deep, deep, deep sadness behind everything that he does. Uh Uh-huh. And like even when he's like playing like a grade A fucking asshole, yeah.
1: Like Jason Clark does or Kyle Chandler does? Jason Clark does. Oh, I disagree. Wait, so finish your sentence. But I disagree for exactly the opposite reason. <laughs> oh, really? I think like, the reason that Harge is an interesting character to me is that every single scene he's in, it feels like he walks off screen and starts crying
0: okay no i feel that i guess i guess what i'm getting at is yeah. like i see i see jason clark as a very world weary man yes and i see kyle chandler and especially Harge, like hard in this role but i think like why he's like i think this is like the role jason or sorry um the role kyle chandler is born to play yeah. is that i think that like kyle chandler i mean he played fucking like a like a like the world's greatest high school football coach for like a gazillion years. He is like the er normal American suburban clean cut dad. Mm-hmm. Who's like, he is like that weird thing of like, like teetering on toxic masculinity, but like the poster boy of like, I guess you like, I like, but he's a good man. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, I think that really fuels this performance in that. It's like in that Kyle Chandler, in this role is according to his society mm-hmm. and according to like the role he was born into and all that stuff is doing everything perfectly right. And is the perfect embodiment of what a man is supposed to be in the 1940s. Yeah. And is um then so insanely, terribly frustrated and angry that it's not working right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And oh. I feel like with Jason Clark, I just feel like, I just feel like, so like, I agree. I feel, I feel like he, he walks off screen and cries, but like, that is his like last resort where it's like, I feel like Jason Clark is, uh, like, I don't know. He's a little more like, he's a little weebier and he's also,
1: he's also a little bit more pitiful, which is. A yes. line that Kyle Chandler walks really well in this movie because I think it. I think Jason Clark could do it. I don't think that that's bad recasting at all. But I, I think that Kyle Chandler's. I was surprised by the end of the movie by how much I appreciated Kyle Chandler's performance and how if you put it one hair in one direction and one hair in the other, it would it would kind of break it. Um, no, a hundred percent. It's
0: like it is like really perfectly calibrated. Yes. To um, be like. I guess he is a, he is a very toxic. Yeah. Quote unquote, quote unquote, you know, a very, a very toxic. Mm-hmm. cis hat white man who is oppressing Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in that way. However, he is doing so because that is like. His only role in the universe is to be that man. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if he goes oh, like 2% more of an asshole. Yeah. Then like, then. Then it's a caricature, and if he goes two percent more sympathetic, then it's just like, well, I don't fucking sympathize with this guy. Like, yeah. fuck him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, don't, don't try to get me to sympathize with you, Kyle Chandler. I feel like he strikes this perfect balance of just like, you do pity him. You're just like, yes. dude. Like, yeah. just like, dude. I get it. I yeah. get. It. I get that you cannot conceptualize why this is happening
1: yeah. to you. That's the thing. He doesn't even have a frame of reference <laughs> for it. That's what's interesting about it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah
0: but it's just like, it's like, it's like, I do kind of pity you, but like, can you just drop it? Like, I know, like, like, I know you're never going to get it. So like, can you just drop it? please, For all of our sakes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Then lastly, um, as uh, I believe the character's name is Danny, uh, John Magaro, you recast as David Desmalkian, which I think in this era, this is 2015. I think David Desmalkian's a skosh a hair a, a, a small smidgen bit too old but I think overall the energy works
1: I agree um I love John Girl good guy I do too cool guy great, great role for him he's a pretty cool guy in this movie he's like he's the least complicated yeah. of all the men in this movie Cracks. yeah it's like oh god Well, we just gotta get talking to the movie properly the scene where he kisses her is It's incredible because he is like, it's this weird scene where it's like on his side, this is actually a very sweet romantic scene, and there's nothing particularly predatory about it. And it's just the fact that she's just not there for it is why it's not working. Oh, it's so good. So good. Yeah. So good.
0: 100%. So let's dive into Carol. Carol. Let's dive into the film, start talking about it proper. Mm -hmm. Um, really great movie,
1: yeah.
0: It takes place at Christmas time, yes. And New Neymar Year's, and it's great New, and
1: Year's. New Year's, yes. Great New Year's movie, yep.
0: Mm-hmm. yep. Um, yeah, so talk to me, talk to me about your experience watching this film.
1: <sighs> I don't want to talk about the ending yet, but I, I do want to talk about the ending a lot because I had a very emotional, I think, in a lot of ways, the ending and that we'll get to it. Fuck, I'm not even gonna talk about it, not even gonna talk about it. Um, this movie started. And the thing that I was really struck by for the first half hour of it was how how much was being communicated purely through filmmaking and not through dialogue. Like, I think that yes, a script like this and a story like this can come off as chintzy or melodramatic or overly didactic really, really easily. And it does the thing that a lot of great, you know, quote unquote like issue movies, movies about, you know, stuff. This is a movie about this is a movie about being gay in the 50s, about being a gay woman in the 50s and like the ways that like American society oppresses that kind of person. And despite the fact that this movie can like have these really just blunt lines about what's going on, it never feels like it's being really blunt about that. It always feels like it is just letting you Assume the knowledge that you already have about the situation that these two women are in. Never has to spell anything out too much. I think that really starts with the way that the movie looks. This movie is fucking beautiful to look at.
0: Correct. Um,
1: That opening pan does such a great job of establishing not just time and place, but also general vibe because it looks like a fucking Norman Rockwell painting. Like everything looks like the 50s, but not the way the 50s actually were, but the way that the 50s are... Presented in kind of the ideal of the American artistic canon, such that you are transported there and you just get it. You're like, no, I understand. I know what like this kind of look implies. I am both stunned by its visual beauty, but I also I understand the idea of 1950s patriarchy because I'm I'm associating that with the way that all this looks. Um, it's great, Rooney Mara. I. I mean, the meeting with Carol is very interesting. Um, There's a lot of stuff in that meeting that I did not really think was important until the end of the movie. I think I like the first half hour way more in light of um, where it goes. Uh, Like the first half hour, I was basically like, all right, this is a strong, like nine out of 10. This is just really beautiful to look at. You know, it's kind of proceeding at this pace. I, I think I see where this is going. Um... And then I will say the moment in which everything really snapped into place and it got me was Carol takes um, Therese back to her house. There is this like, not only that she has called her and asked her out for lunch, but now there is this next level that they have gone to of, okay, well, I'm going to invite you into my personal space. And there is this really, all this stuff in this movie that is just unsaid because it doesn't need to be or nobody is willing to say it, or it is dangerous to say it in this situation. And, like, for a moment, you kind of forget about that danger. Like, Rooney forgets about that danger. You have this, you know, showing her the train set and Rooney playing piano. And it's this very—just the romance between the two of them is really kind of starting to bud. There is that attraction there that was there in the previous scenes that is now really starting to flourish. And it's so beautiful, and it's firelit, wonderful— And then Harge comes home and I gasped for like the first time of 10 in this movie because I, like the characters, had forgotten that he existed because I was so engaged with like, oh, wow, this is so luxurious. This is so luscious. This is like so bordering on passionate, despite the fact that nobody's actually like indulging in the thing they want to indulge in. And it's living in this beautiful tension. And then the tension was broken and then an entirely new tension filled the, you know, just filled its, its space, which is what this movie does a lot. Um, yes. And as we said, I think that's the, really the beginning of Kyle Chandler walking this beautiful line with this character. That is the scene in the movie where at, he walks in and I was like, Oh fuck. They're kind of found out. And then I, and then my brain immediately turned and I went, oh, this sucks for him. I'm like, that sucks. Like, he he knows what this is. It's also the scene where you're, it's kind of revealed that he knows what this is. Um, the script does a really good job of, of saying just enough that you understand, that he understands, while leaving a lot of room for, well... How much does he know? At what point did all of this start? How is, you know, when did the has this happened before? All these questions that like you can still really parse over having seen the entire movie. And you really feel fucking bad for this guy for like a hot second. You're like, he did. As much as you know, you know, they're both getting divorced. You had had the scene at the party before. So you have the idea that he still loves her or at least, you know, loves some idea of her. Right. And has now walked in and essentially seen his wife planning on cheating on him and uh yeah and and then it all everything starts to fall apart and the and the yeah Uh and that's and this movie does that so often lures you into this kind of false sense of security leaving room for these little bits of romantic and passionate tension and then letting the world come crashing back in yes and, um yeah Sorry, go on. That's it. I just talked for a long time.
0: No, 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 no. I was gonna say there's so much good shit in there yeah. in what you just said. Um, a thing for me that strikes me so much about this film that I really, really love is mm-hmm. kind of like what you're talking about. Like it is um it is this like 1950s, everything is picture perfect, everything is like Norman rockwell Um visually, yeah. like the design of it all um like everything is so elegant like you know uh works in this like really gorgeous apart department store like back you know back in the days when that's how that was you know um Mm -hmm. like back when and i mean like you know like department stores have always been like gross weird capitalist shit but like back when there were people whose jobs it was to like work at this department store and set up these displays beautifully as opposed to like some, you know, some corporate boardroom is like, all right, like here's all the pieces that go in the display, ship it to like, ship it to the stores in Cleveland and Ohio, you know what I mean? And like every city and they're all identical.
1: And and Um, sorry to interrupt, but like, but not only that, like to, like to, Teresa's job specifically is like not so much to sell stuff, but also to stand there and look pretty to be part of the display wear that here's the hat wear the hat you have to wear the hat you know you're you're an attractive young woman you gotta stand there she the line which like again there are all these like little lines that seem really direct but then they become a lot richer in context of the rest of the movie of her being like she i i go over there and show it to you but they like us to stay behind the glass and like yes you don't like it's such an obvious metaphor for what's going on but it's so so simple and so beautiful too
0: yeah Yeah. and so yes and so everything is like this beautifully wonderfully fantastically designed everything every like every piece of clothing and every like piece of furniture and every sconce on the walls Mm. and like they're all beautiful however the film itself does have this like very like this very like desaturated color palette right Mm -hmm. like the, the what is on set versus the way the images are then processed there is this tension there of like the world that they live in is like so bright and so colorful and so like elegant and amazingly designed and then in putting the film together the look of the film itself is kind of washed out it's kind of dark it's always so overcast that coupled with like the melancholy of the music and the melancholy of their performances, it gives this really amazing tension that I love, mm-hmm. where it's like this film, kind of like you were saying like it it communicates so much through cinematic language as opposed to like dialogue, yeah, because you are seeing like the beautiful idealized nineteen fifties, and what you are seeing living in there is you're seeing it rendered very in a a very sad and a very melancholy way on camera and then so when you have these two women who are playing like kind of like very sad kind of disaffected very like like they stand out in a way that like so clearly communicates to you the audience that like like they don't fit into this world that they are like physically embodying but they feel like the most natural thing in the world to be in this film.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, which is
0: a needle they thread so fucking well. Yeah, because it's like you know, like I knew the first time I watched this. I'm like, okay, it's like it's a, it's a film about it's a film about lesbians in the 50s. I was yeah. like, okay, like that's what it is. It's a it's a it's a story about like a love like a um you know about like a romance um about like a relationship between these two women in the 50s, and it is just this thing of like within a minute of, you know, of them being on screen, you're just like, you get it, Yeah. you get it. It's It's like in this time where everything is like this idyllic thing and a woman's job is to smile and stand there and look pretty. And when their entire like reason for being is to be a pleasant object decorating the world.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, the second you see, um, you know, the second you see Kate Blanchett kind of like speaking in this deeper tone with this like deep sadness in her eyes, like talking to Therese, you're just like, oh my god! You're just like, I have never like, you're just like that. That is a woman
1: right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just like,
0: You're just like that is not like <laughs> that's like like she is she. I, I was like I was like this woman knows everything. Like she like she has this all figured
1: out. She's on the other side of the glass in a literal exactly. in a literal, sense. In a literal yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh um this movie is I want to make another point regarding the, the 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 set design and the general design of this movie, but I'm going to do it in this way because I want to bring this up. This movie um feels very in dialogue with Brokeback Mountain in a lot of ways. Um it is Ooh, the movie that is most similar yes. to it that I think that I was thinking about for most of it. Um in some ways that I'm like, okay, that's a kind of funny thing to think about the differences between romance between two women and two men. But also in that, the thing I think that if you were to watch these two movies in sequence, one of the big differences between them is that Brokeback is like really forthcoming. You know, it's, it's, the first couple of things that you see in Brokeback are like wide, unbroken spaces. It's literally about Brokeback Mountain, about seeing the mountain, about the wild, untamed areas, and the visual metaphor of that becomes like, well, in the state of nature, these two men can be together, um, and they can like, when there are no other, when there's no society around, when there's no civilization, no other people, they can like fully um, be themselves and be with each other. And you really have a bit of a flip side of this. In this movie, Carol is, like, so, so fucking um, uh, urban. It, like, nearly all of it takes place in buildings or around buildings. Like, they go on this cross-country road trip, and at no point do they ever just stop by some trees. Because it would kind of break the the illusion that they set up in the beginning of, okay, well, we live in this city that is so meticulously designed, and there's been so much care put forth to making every block and every storefront look like a fucking, um, you know, look like a Christmas card that was made in the fifties. These really elegantly designed, but constructed things. And it's constantly reminding you that these two women are set against the backdrop of a thing that has been made by, you know, society, by people. Um, And very rarely, if ever, do they get a chance to break out of that. Um, and yeah, it's
0: it's it's fucking brilliant. It's great. It's great. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's so simple, no. but it's so effective. It gets your brain in the place it needs to be in to be in the story. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Can can I tell you my joke about the comparison between Mountain and, and Carol? Sure, please. please. It's a very crude joke, but I do think it's a little instructive. I think it's very funny that in the movie about uh, two gay women. Uh, navigating the social mores of 1950s, like mid-century America, they go two-thirds of the movie not just having sex, but without even touching. Uh, and and then, then in Brokeback Mountain, the very first thing <laughs> the very that happens first thing is... you see is they butt fuck. Like it is <laughs> immediate. As soon as they get within ten feet of each other, they're like, "Well, we got to do it now."
0: Yeah, just like literally no words, just no like... words. But the women are she...
1: in the in the female scene. It is this like beautifully the sex scene is beautiful and transcendent and cate Blanchett is quoting the bible in her ear and in Brokeback mountain he just flips chilling all over and gets to it like oh two i mean you're not wrong. i'm not, wrong. not I'm wrong. Wrong. wrong i'm not wrong two uh, perfect masterpieces and i love both of them um i agree i yeah. have to
0: agree both i both are both are five star films for me yeah Both would almost, almost certainly easily in my top 50 of the 21st century Mm -hmm. so far. I would, I've never done it. I have not sat down and done it, but it would not surprise me if they were both in my top 25 of the 21st century so far. Like they're both incredible films.
1: And two movies that are both grappling with a lot of the same stuff. Um, Yeah. uh, So, God, this movie's a lot. So, let me Can we talk about Jake Lacey briefly? Yes, Because I think something very instructive, it's weirdly something that is, again, more instructive about Kyle Chandler, because from two different people I was texting, I told, like, I'm watching Carol, and both of them said they're like, Jake Lacey sucks in that movie. I hate that guy. And so I kept, like, waiting for Jake Lacey to... Like, don't get me wrong, he's a... (laughs) You know he's a real a real doo doo head like he ain't a great guy, you know. But I kept like waiting for Jake Lacy to be worse. Yeah, and I think it really says something. One, I think they do a really good job of designing that character. He looks like a Dick Tracy villain, and it's really funny. He he's just a he's just a big dumb goofball. He's just, you're just like this guy as soon as he walks on screen, you're just like she should not be with this guy. This guy this guy is a doofus. Like no way. Not just because she's, you know, a lesbian secretly, but, like, also just because, no, not this guy, honey. Um, And I like Jake Lacey and a lot of other stuff. But, uh, like, him leaving her, obviously, is rough, and he is not a good person in that scene. But I think you could argue that Harge, like, hits a lot harder in a lot of his interactions with Carol. But, again, I think because... Because so much of the core of Harge's character is that, well, God, this guy just does not have a frame of reference for what going on what is going on. He is just like so hurt and he's fucking lashing out. As compared to Jake Lacey, who is just, you know, a one-dimensional one-dimensional shithead. Um Yeah, I think that's interesting. That he's the he's the character that's got a lot of flack, comparatively. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, no, and I mean like I think I think that both of those characters bring up a Really, I mean, it's what we were talking about with Harge earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like he is doing everything right, yeah. So, by 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 the standards of his society, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like you get like they like especially Harge like he is like a cold, unfeeling man, yeah. But he's not like I I, I get the sense that I get the sense that before, you know, he presumably caught her with Abby, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, before they began separating, I have, I get the sense that he has never done anything in his life malicious towards Carol. He just has been a cold, unfeeling man who was raised to be that way by his society and grew up and clearly made a lot of money and married a very beautiful woman and began raising a child with her and then had it all, like, ripped away from him. And it's very, 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 very good on the part of this film that he is not a he is not a an asshole who is like I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this.
1: Yeah, because um, he does some bad stuff. Away. He does.
0: He does. Let's he does. say
1: it. He does uh, hire a private investigator to record them having sex. No good. No, no good. Don't correct. do that. I agree. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. yeah.
0: And like, especially as the film goes on. Um, but I just, I guess what I'm trying to say is it does not, it, I watched this film and I kind of like we were talking about, he just has no frame of reference for this. Yeah. yeah. And he has no way to conceptualize it other than like, well, you are ruining my life. Like that is what you are here to do. Yeah. Like that is your intent. Because like, you know, like you like you can't be in love with a, another woman. Like there's like there's no such thing as being gay. It's you the, know, in these people's minds. they don't
1: even have the terminology for it. It's the scene between Jake Lacey and uh, Mara where she's like, Well, what if two guys film of and he's just like like, he's just like what are you even talking about like what is that what are you what are you saying Two guys in love. It's like you're saying, "What if a man went to Mars?" Like that's nothing.
0: Well, and that's the thing. It's like, well, like I mean, we've all heard of people like that. Yeah, we don't know anybody who.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty sure that's just something they made up in a book one time. Like that's not. Yeah, Yeah, or like
0: something that like crazy people do, Mm -hmm. or like you know, like you know, there sure there are some like weirdos out there who do shit like that, but like no, like none of us know any of those people. Mm -hmm. And it's just that thing of like, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is. Harge does not go, oh, my wife is a lesbian. Yeah, I married a woman and it turns out she is a lesbian and therefore to get back at her, because I don't like that she is a lesbian, yeah. to get back at her, I am going to consciously like, you know, be be malicious and spiteful and do things to hurt her back because- like solely because I am a vindictive asshole. What really happens is he has no way to conceive of any of this because nobody talks about this. Yeah. Nobody knows any real lesbians. There's no such thing as gay people. That's only what weirdos do. And like in the movies. Maybe right? well, in not France, even in but like not. Weirdos. Yeah. 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 That when it's like, okay, well, clearly if Carol is like, Sleeping with women, like Mm -hmm. she's off her fucking rocker, she's doing this on purpose, she's like purposefully throwing her life away. And so fuck her. And like if she won't let me help her, then fuck her. And I think and obviously, obviously, being a queer woman, Mm -hmm. I understand that that logic is not real. Mm -hmm. But I love that this film doesn't try to get us to pity harge for his ignorance mm-hmm. but it does really 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 underline like these people don't know what's happening
1: yeah and i love it
0: because yeah. it just it just it's nobody's it's, i don't know it's the big
1: thing of this movie is nobody ever actually fucking says what's going on it, it's right. what makes Correct. the it what makes the the moment that like i gasped I, I I mean, when I say I gasped, I gasped several times watching this movie. When I gasped so loud, loud that I'm pretty sure if you were in the hallway of my apartment, you would have heard me. Is when Kate Blanchett says, I love you. I fucking gasp because this is the first time in this entire fucking movie that anybody's actually said that they're feeling. Like it's in, in like I, a really clear, direct way. In an uncomplicated, indirect way. Um, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's important. They're having the the Harge and Carol are having the fight in the driveway and it's the, what exactly is the line that he has something where he says something about like hanging out with women like you. And she's like, you married a woman like me. And it's like, what do you mean a woman like you? What does that even mean? You know, it's, they just, they're talking around it and uh, it's so painful because it's, and it's, it brings me back also to the thing. I think you talked about a lot in the broke up mountain episode where it's like this, these things have always been here. You know, it's just that we didn't talk. Right. And the fact that we didn't have a frame of reference for them is oftentimes the thing that made all the oppression so much worse and actively hurt everyone. Not just like it's hard is not having a good time in this situation. The patriarchy is really, you know, maybe there was a time in his life where it kind of got him everything he wanted. He had a, a gorgeous wife and a daughter he loves and a big old house and supportive parents. And then, well, guess what? Patriarchy fucking gives and it takes equal measure, you know? And it's like, well, hopefully nowadays when things are not perfect by any means, but substantially better, you know, you imagine Harge meets Carol in college or whatever the fuck they met. And, like, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm openly lesbian. And then he goes home and listens to Pink Triangle by Weezer a couple of times and, like, is sad for a night and then gets over it. And then none of this pain ever happens for either of them, you know? And it's so yeah. fucking frustrating because you're just like society should be different so these characters don't have to go through these things.
0: Right. No. I mean 100%. I mean like it is that thing of like, you know, um, cuz like you said like um you know, it gives and it takes. It's like you know, it's 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 the it's the very depressing thing is it's like the, the, like heteronormativity is so baked into all of this and being like hey hot take 1950s America very heteronormative I don't know if you knew that Um, but you know it's that thing where it's it's so baked in that um, to him like yes you said like well he got a beautiful wife Mm -hmm. and it's like and that's what he can't let go of is like I did the right like I did it right like I did all the things like we had the thing and it's like but you ne- you, tr- you clearly never, like, loved each other. Yeah. Like, well, you know what or I mean? It's you, like, it's like, why are you trying to hang on to this? You know, it's like, but it's like, it's like, he has been so brainwashed that he can only view their marriage as a status symbol and like, of, like, look at me. I got the, I'm married to the most beautiful, like, woman in Manhattan. And that's enough. Fuck having a life partner. Fuck having someone who understands me. Fuck having somebody who even wants to be with me. Yeah. I own her look at this precious beautiful ornament and why doesn't the ornament want to be with me anymore I don't yeah. get it and it's like it's a thing of like it's so tragic to watch him not be able to let her go yeah. because you're just like buddy like not good for not you you're not gonna be happy no yeah like like I know you won't admit that but like let me tell you honey baby like you like go find somebody who likes you yeah yeah. But that's not what it's about. You're that's a very you're about. a very
1: sweet dad and you're you've got a, a, a beautiful football coach jaw. I'm sure you could find a straight girl that would enjoy your company. Like Yeah. Yeah. Um now it's oh golly. Ugh. This film just makes me sigh and gasp a lot. That's the whole that's the whole reaction. Um I know. So they go on this road trip. They do. It's another like There are all these different thresholds that their relationship crosses over the course of the movie, where it becomes, again, it's this ratcheting up of tension. It's this, we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the point where they are so close and have so integrated into each other's lives that, well, you can't deny it anymore, you know? Maybe she invites her to lunch and it's just, well, they're gal pals. Maybe she invites her over to her house and it's like, well... They're pretty good gal pals. And then it's like, well, maybe she knows her for three days and then invites her on a cross-country road trip in which they're going to sleep in the same hotel bed uh, for three weeks straight. And then it's like, well, you can't really um, – I don't know. That kind of sounds like something you do with a romantic partner more than a, <laughs> more than just a friend you just met. Um, and, and they go on this trip. I was really – they stop in Ohio. I was really excited. I thought they were going to finally have sex in Ohio. And I was going to be like, hell yeah, pointing the board for Ohio. Didn't happen, though. <sighs> Friggin' Iowa. I mean, come on. Whatever. Uh, again, there is this... They leave the city, and yet they are always still in situa- in, uh, in civilization. They never are able to, like, fully escape, despite the fact that they are driving through the center of the country. Um, the reveal of... Uh, uh, what's his name? Corey uh, Michael Smith? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Corey Michael Smith being the private investigator. Holy shit. Another big gasp. The kind of thing that if you had told me at the beginning of the movie is like, well, that's going to be a reveal in this movie. I'd be like, that's silly. And then in the course of this movie, that happening, I was so engaged in the characters in the world that I was like, of oh, oh my God, of course. Like, yeah. What a natural conclusion. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Corey Michael Smith uh, is very good in this movie. Yes. He yes. almost, well, I mean, he's playing a man who was acting.
1: Yes, so yeah, Almost in yeah. a dual role, mm-hmm.
0: you know, like, which is the thing, which is the thing that's like so fun. I mean, it's, it's terrible, but like, it works so well about that reveal is like, he's such a, I mean, he was the Riddler on Gotham for mm-hmm. like, you know, for years. He plays this, like, you know, he plays this very like poindextery, harmless, yeah. like brainiac so well that then when they like find him and he's wearing a wife, Peter, and is like, close up to the thing. it's 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 nothing personal ma'am yeah like when, he, when, he, when he instantly affects it's like oh actually i'm a fucking
1: cop yeah like i know he's not his cop, voice but, you drops know, just, like yeah. half an octave.
0: yeah He's like yeah. what you how could i never saw that coming yeah. uh michael smith a man i've had coffee with
1: once really that's cool yes
0: yeah uh he uh he is from my hometown
1: oh and, that's really uh, cool i didn't know that that's fun
0: yeah, his uh his mother worked one cubicle over from my mother for years. And uh I have I have met him twice. I went to a Christmas party at his house with my family once. Oh very, very
1: cool. Up. Did you ask him so, when you're in the same room as Kate Blanchette, like, does it hurt?
0: No, because so I I believe um I I met him before this film came out. He had just shot it. And it was one of those things mm-hmm. where um yeah, I was I was living in New York for a summer and he was there being a you know a professional actor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, you know, and we, we went out and we got coffee and it, it was cool. great. He's a very a very nice man. Yeah. Also great in um fucking great in May December. I don't know if you've I still haven't um, seen it. I, mean I got again. it.
1: This, yeah, I gotta see a lot of movies. I especially post this. I really wanna see May December. Um yeah, yeah he's really good, especially in the reveal scene. Like, you almost expect him to, like, light a cigar and be like, look, dames, I ain't got no problem with it. But, you know, got to make a living. It's like, yeah, it's it's both of his performances are like on just on the inside of Too Broad in a way that is beautiful. Um, yeah, it's great stuff. Um, so they obviously it is broken. Um, they go to sleep uh therese wakes up the next morning and abby like officially inducts her into the carol's ex-girlfriend society like come on right, let's go have yeah. breakfast and we can uh, talk about what it's like to get dumped by carol
0: yeah um, she adds her to the group chat yeah
1: yeah i had okay and this is i think we're gonna lead into the ending because this is i've been texting um like one of our uh co-best friends who this is one of her favorite movies we were texting about a lot we have very different opinions about the ending um, and this is like the beginning of my very visceral reaction to the end of this movie. Not that I was not having a visceral emotional reaction to a lot of the movie, but like as soon as you get the red letter from Carol to Therese. And from the beginning, again, it's a thing we talked about in Ruby's performances. She is so like baby injured owl the entire movie that you kinda of, you really want to protect her. And I think there is this worry, especially. In that scene when Kyle Chandler comes into them in the in the house where you're like, ooh, shit, is Therese getting in over her head? Is this going to be, like, too much for her? Is she going to get hurt here? Like, is Carol just kind of using her? And as soon as Carol leaves, my, like, worry about her as a person jumped up a hundredfold. And I immediately was just like, fuck Carol. Fuck this situation. Therese, you don't even need her. You're too good for her. Like, just, you know, go back. You're you're gonna be so much better. I was like kind of agree with Paulson. I'm like, you know, it's fine, you just gotta get over it. You're gonna be good. Get Carol out of here. Um Yeah, I was very immediately on the like, I need to defend Therese from all this.
0: No, I know. Yeah. Well, and I mean it's that it's that amazing thing. It's I mean it's the beautiful tragedy of all of this, right? Yes, yes. It, it is, is a film. It is a film about being completely like completely gatekept from who you are, or who you mm-hmm. actually could be, so you can never you can never fully embrace it because it's like us watching you know us watching this film in twenty twenty three, even and this film being made in twenty fifteen when we all know what a lesbian is yeah you know and we can all just be like just be together
1: mm-hmm.
0: just like just like work it's like it's like that is. It's that thing where it's like when you're when you're reading the letter from Carol, there is this like dual thing of like, no, you're being a coward, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, but you can't blame her because she's she. I mean, she's right. You know, it is it is a thing of just like, look, like they're never gonna let us do this. They're yes. they're never gonna let us do this. We can't like so. I'm just I'm just getting at, like, I'm sparing you. I gotta go away. Like, I hope we'll talk again one day, but, like, that's just, like, not, like, like they won't let us, so I'm not gonna try. Yeah. And you kind of can't argue with it, even though it hurts, and even though it's, like, you know, you spend the whole movie watching people not know how to react and do everything in their power to prevent it. So it is just that thing of, like, I can't really argue with her, but
1: but it's a tragedy. I can a little bit. I mean, I get the tragedy of it again, but yeah, again, just the. uh,
0: But it's just going to keep happening. You know what I mean? I know,
1: which is, yeah.
0: There's, there's, in this, in this, in this universe, there is nothing, there is nothing that any of them can do other than like, you know, then, then keep living their lives and occasionally indulge with this whenever they can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but overall, it's just like it's just like, well, they're never gonna let us do this. So like mm. Yeah. You
1: I don't know. need to kind of blaze your own trail there. Yeah, I I yeah, I, I was just like I texted I texted our friend uh the quote, I release you, and then in all capital letters, Carol, go fuck yourself. Okay, because like I think one of the other like I mentioned it at the beginning, but one of the other like parallel tracks here is that like Carol, I think uses her What I don't think very consciously, again, I don't think that she's like choosing this, but I think she uses her like, her beauty and her gravitas and her mysterious nature and like, the fact that she knows that she has pull on both women and men as as a bit of a, a bit of a defense mechanism as a bit of a like, well, I can't let anybody get too close. And so I'm going to just no. kind of act that I'm better than all of it, that I don't need any of this stuff. I am a fucking elf queen and you, sh- you know, whatever, you know, I, I can come and go. And I think that there is a lot of that active, but especially in like her first conversation with Sarah Polly, where you're like, again, I my question for a lot of this movie was like, is, is she just using her? And I think to some extent she is, I don't know how, like, Like, I don't know. I think it's a very open question. When Kate Blanchett says, I love you, I kind of go, do you? I don't know. Do you? Like, is, and I think that you could probably make the argument both ways of like, yes, she very affirmatively does. They have this very, you know, strong relationship and it is just all the societal bullshit and the husband and all that getting in the way of the love. Or I think you could make the argument that like, Carol just kind of jumped into this with like a young girl who has never been with a woman before and who it is like, so unsure of herself in every way and kind of took advantage of that. Like, I think they have that first lunch in which she's like, I don't even know what to order for lunch and Carol kind of likes that because she, you know, likes to be, because she has no control in any other other part of her life. So she needs to exert it over Therese. Um, but again, I think that's no question. I think that you can argue both ways. I think that uh, the ending of this movie to me is uh, very beautiful and magnificent and leaves you in a situation that tells you a lot more about yourself than it does even about the characters, which is a really cool thing for a piece of art to do. Let me tell you. Hell yeah. It is. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. It is. That's uh that's why it's a fucking masterpiece. Um, but yeah, what, okay. What do you think of the ending? What's your, not like, because here's the thing. It's fucking good. I, I kind of looked at the critical reception of this a bit and I saw that some people were just like the ending is bad, and I think that that is objectively untrue. I think this entire movie is perfect. Um, but to me, I think that I think that the real disagreement is: do you think this ending is happy or do you think it's sad? Like,
0: I mean, it's kind of a yes and. Yeah, it's very much a. I'm trying to think. There was. I mean, like, in a way, like, I think it's, I think it's, I think it is, I think it is somewhat hopeful because of the fact that it is, it is tragic and it is preceded by tragedy. Mm -hmm. I feel like almost in like the same thing that I said about like the umbrellas of Cherbourg is just like, it is so archly tragic the way the ending is. But also it's just like, but time passes and life goes on and like, mm-hmm. it fucking sucks. But like, and you know, in, in this situation, I'm like, I I don't know if I can say that these characters are going to be okay. Right. Like I can't be like, but they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. But it's this thing of like, it's just kind of this reminder of like shit like this is going to happen and you, and it's going to hurt you. And it's going to leave an indelible mark on you for the rest of your life.
1: And also your life's gonna go on. You're gonna and change like you're, gonna... you're gonna change your hair. You're gonna flip up your hair in the back. Yep. And you're gonna tell your ex girlfriend, No, I will not move in with you. Yep. I stood up and cheered. I said, You get her. Yep. I said, You don't need her. Um yep. kinda, you're gonna deny Carrie Brownstein. I don't know what's going on with that. That doesn't seem right to me. But
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you you tell me, what do you think
1: about the ending? I think again, because the, I think the ending is beautiful and complex and I think that you can read a lot out of it. Um, and it is very human in the way that you were describing it. Um, and I think I'm probably going to have a different opinion of it every time I watch it. But again, my watching it this time, again, I think this probably just says more about where I'm at in my life right now. Um, (laughs) I watched it this time and I was just like, no, no, no. Like, don't go back to her, Rooney. Oh, I know why you're going back to her. I'd probably do the exact same thing. But don't go back to her. She's no good for you. You know, like, I, you know, just just talk to Carrie Brownstein. There are other lesbians in New York. You'll find them, I swear you will. You know, like you can be better. You've learned so much. You've taken from her what you needed, you know? And you've had this like traumatic experience. I don't know. To me, my read on this is like, well, she has kind of had this traumatic experience. This she really jumped into the deep end of uh, being in a secret relationship with a woman in the 1950s. And, you know, and Carol kind of led her there. Again, it's double-sided because it's like, well, she is repressed. This is what she needs. She should probably accept herself who she is as a person. But Carol also led her there for the sake of her own pleasure without really considering whether, not even whether or not, but like when this situation blows up in both of their faces, how much it's going to hurt her. And so Therese was hurt, but she moves on. She hangs out with John Magaro. She's able to use this confidence to really start to decide who she is as a person. And I think it's, again, a really clever bit of design that, like, she flips up her. Her hair gets a little bit more Carol-esque. You know, she is kind of... She's taken on some characteristics of her. And the hope is that, you know, she can take that trauma and can grow and learn from it, which is what she's doing. And then when... I when then confronted with, well, the the source of the trauma, the thing that you both love and fear in equal measure because she's a terrifying elf queen, uh, comes back and says, actually, no, I've decided that I fully love you and I'm, I'm the stuff in my life is out of the way enough that I'm ready to fully commit. I think it's a very strong choice for her as a person to say, no, nope, nope. You know, we had that. Uh, you kind of, in some ways, I think Carol kind of betrayed her. Not unjustifiably in some ways, but Carol kind of betrayed her and left her out to dry. And so you can't just come back and say that you love her now. It's not okay. (laughs) I don't don't think. But I also think that I could watch this movie again two days from now and have an entirely different read on it because it's really complex. Yeah, And So when she then goes back to Carol, I see it as this very bittersweet, sad ending of, well they're both kind of getting exactly the thing they want, but is that just retreating to something that they've both grown past?
0: Yeah. And the answer is yes. And And? yeah,
1: Yeah. it's a really good movie. That's the answer to that one.
0: Correct. Correct. Do you have any other final, final thoughts about the film, Carson? Oh
1: boy. Um, I, I mean, uh, we could talk about it forever, but, yes we yeah, could but you know those are the big ones that's the big thing
0: yeah. yeah awesome well um yeah I mean I think that's all I have to say yeah. I mean again could go on forever uh and have and will um but that having been said uh, thank you all so much for listening um Corey will you tell all of the folks listening where they can find us on the internet
1: If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review would also really help out the visibility of the show. A huge thank you to Callie McAlexander for our social media. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at HHYNSPOD. A very special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show in bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com/hhynsPod. We'd love to have you over there, and you can get all of our content for starting at three dollars per month. Any other questions? Please head over to patreon.com/hhynsPod. Thank you very much. Next week, Caroline, it's yes. still the holiday season. It sure is rolling along next week. We have our season finale of how have you not seen, uh, we're going to go out with a bang next week. We're going to be watching a movie. It is, I think absolutely criminal that you have not seen. Yep. That's the whole conceit of the show, baby. Oh yeah. Uh, we're going to be watching. It's a wonderful life.
0: It, yes, we will. Yes, we will. And, uh, again, you know, we do this all the time. We record the out of order, take a drink, uh, Really, really good, good movie. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say I like it. I'd, I'd say, say we're like ending this
1: season incredibly strongly. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Between between Chop Around the Corner, followed by Carol, followed by uh, followed by It's a Wonderful Life. Um, three good Christmas bangers. I'll say so. All right. All well, right. thank you all so much for listening, um, and we will see you all next week when we talk about It's a Wonderful Life.